Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's Insight Assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. This is What the Heck with Mike Heck on MMAFighting.com. Now, here is your host, Mike Heck. What the heck? Well, hello there, everybody. Welcome to a brand new edition of What the Heck here on MMAfighting.com. I am Mike Heck. Hope you guys are having a great first week of August. I cannot believe it is already August. And if you live in the Northeast, especially if you live in Massachusetts, it's like we haven't even had a summer. It's just been pouring rain. I think we got almost 30 inches of rain in July. And I'm not even joking. Like more rain dropped this past month than I think ever in the history of the town that I live in. It's just absolutely insane. And then the last few days, it's felt like September. So it's like, we didn't get a summer at all. We had like three hot days, a whole bunch of rain in July, and now it's like 75 degrees, which I'm not complaining. September weather, early fall weather, that's my jam. And it feels great, but it's just weird. There really hasn't been four seasons here in Massachusetts, but you don't care about that. You're here to talk about combat sports, mixed martial arts. What a busy weekend we had in MMA this past weekend, of course. Saturday especially was just full of entertainment. I mean, the UFC card, UFC Vegas 33, it just seemed like kept falling apart. We were losing fights day after day. Even on the day of the event, we we lost one fight. Then we lost two fights. Then we got a fight back, which like never happens. And we ended up getting a very entertaining card capped up by Sean Strickland's dominant decision win over Uriah Hall in the main event at 185 pounds. I mean, Sean Strickland... Time to start taking this man seriously. I'm not I'm not ready to throw him into the title picture just yet. But he's getting there, man. He's he's a guy that's on the cusp, no doubt about it. He's an entertaining fighter, has headline-worthy quotes before and after fights, and he's just kind of a madman. He's one of those unique fighters where you know exactly where he's going to go. You know exactly what he's going to do but you can't stop it. Like no one has been able to stop it over his last five fights. It's just been a remarkable just run that he's been on and his run at middleweight is just sensational. 19 and 0 is 185 pounder. He's won five in a row, four of those at 180, excuse me, 185 pounds. And 
He's off to the races. I would like to see him fight Luke Rockhold next. I think that's a good name, a good test. I think it does more for him than maybe a Jack Hermanson. And Jack's a fine fighter, but I think Luke has the bigger name. I think you get more of a rub fighting Luke Rockhold and getting a win over Luke Rockhold than you would a Jack Hermanson. But we'll see. I'm excited to see what is next for Sean Strickland. Interested to see what happens with Uriah Hall. I know he posted that he's going to be back. I don't know, man. He's in a tough spot right now. If he just really enjoys fighting and getting into fights and making some money good on him, unfortunately, unless he just goes on this Bisping-esque save-the-day kind of tour and gets some of these fights, steps in last minute, and gets some big wins, I don't know. I I I think the championship door has has closed for Uriah Hall, and it it happens in the sport. Highest of highs, lowest of lows. I think he's somewhere in the middle and that's fine. You know, you could still be, you know, a top 15 guy and make a great living doing that. So good for Sean Strickland, big win for him, biggest of his career, no doubt about it. And then of course, Bellator 263, that was a fun event. We'll talk about that on the program, but AJ McKee is becoming not just a Bellator star, he's becoming an MMA star. This guy is crossing over in a big way. Just his walkout, to nothing but a G thing, the crowd, how everybody reacted to him. Like it was a goosebump like feeling that just sort of took over everybody. And then he walked to that cage on Saturday night for his big fight with Patricio Pitbull, the finale of the Featherweight Grand Prix that has been built up so perfectly. The fight we all wanted to see from day one happened, and AJ McKee delivers, man. He hurts Patricio Pitbull with that head kick. Thinks he knocked him out, celebrates early. Patricio gets up, he just strangles him, and that's it. Fight is over. New featherweight champion, newest millionaire, and you know he's going right up to 155 to fight Pitbull again for the lightweight title. When that's going to happen, I'm not really sure, but what a moment it was for AJ McKee and a huge moment for Bellator MMA because a lot of doors can open. And I do, I think Patricio Pitbull, A-plus form in terms of how he's handled the loss. He handled it with with grace, handled it with class, said the right things. And then he let Captain Eric Albarcin sort of cut the little bit of a heel promo. And he's not wrong. He's not wrong. When is it? Why does a champion, the longest reigning champion in, in history, most title defenses in the company's history. Why is this fight, this huge, huge promotional changing main event taking place in the challenger's hometown? I get where he's coming from, but I also understand that there's really no other place where it would have felt as big. So yeah, the story building up to the lightweight title fight is going to be super interesting. Congratulations to AJ McKee. We broke down the entire card on our post-fight show. So go back and check that out in the archives, whether it's on YouTube or in the podcast section, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. And uh, we talked more UFC Vegas 33 myself and AK on, on to the next one. You can find that wherever you find your favorite podcast. So we're going to get right into this thing. Four guests this week. There's going to be a lot more fun interviews coming up throughout the week as we are officially on the road to UFC 265. We will talk about that event later on in the program as well. In fact, that's how we're going to end the show this week. Casey Kenny is going to join us. He is back in action, kicking off the main card against Song Yudong in Houston, Texas, UFC 265. Of course, that one is headlined by the interim heavyweight title fight between Derek Lewis and Cyril Gaon. Casey Kenny joins us to break down that fight, talk about the Dominic Cruz loss and what he took away from that. And so much more. Always great having Casey Kenny on the show. He's very close to to being 
another interesting player in this already loaded 135-pound division. We'll talk to Alex Perez, UFC flyweight. A lot of mix-ups going on for him. He's supposed to. He was actually supposed to fight this past Saturday against Askar Askarov. That fight is no longer happening. So now on August 28th, Alex Perez is going to fight Matt Schnell. Should be a great fight. Of course, this will be the first fight for Alex Perez since he was submitted in his first chance to become a UFC flyweight champion against Davidson Figueredo in November. Always great catching up with Alex Perez. Taylor Starling, one of the big stars from BKFC 19, had a, a short and sweet interview after she finished Cassie Robb in 28 seconds at BKFC 19 backstage. But a lot of people have been hitting me up saying that they want to know more about her. They want to know more about the journey and how she's gotten to where, to the place she's gotten to. And we're going to talk about that a long, long form interview with one of the bigger stars, at least up and coming stars for BKFC. I really think BKFC should just strap the rocket ships to her and just let her go. But uh, really good stuff from Taylor Starling. You'll hear that coming up in around 20 minutes or so. But first, we're going to kick things off with one of the big winners from Bellator 263 this past Saturday. All eyes are on the main event, no doubt about that. But I think the eyes of the hardcore MMA fans were on the co-main event. Emmanuel Sanchez took on Mads Burnell. What a fight it was. It was everything I hoped it would be. In the end, Mads Burnell picks up a huge win. The seventh consecutive victory since parting ways with the UFC. The man is on a tear, and he's about to hop on an airplane before we started this conversation. So let us hear from Mads Burnell kicking us off right now on What the Heck. All right, the Bellator MMA featherweight division was at the forefront on Saturday night during Bellator 263. And before AJ McKee delivered one of the best finishes of the year so far, this man picked up a hard-fought victory in one of the very best fights of the year, in my opinion. Defeats Emmanuel Sanchez via unanimous decision in the co-main event at the Forum. Let us say hello to the soon-to-be-jumping-on-an-airplane, Mads Burnell. Mads, how are you, sir? I'm good, thank you. Good to have you here, man. Seven wins in a row now for you. And Emmanuel Sanchez is a very tough out. The losses for that man do not happen often, but when they do, they're against guys who are at the top of their games, the top of their division. So how does it feel a few days later after picking up a win on such a big card against a guy as tough as Emmanuel Sanchez? It, it's, of course, it's super cool. It was, uh, it was a cool match, a fun match too, I think, being in. How much fun did you have in there? Like normally when you fight a guy like that, who's just so fast paced, everyone knew that the scrambles are going to be crazy between the two of you guys. Like on a scale of one to 10, like how much fun did you have in there? And how, how like would you nine or something. Nine or nine? Something. Yeah. Because what I feel like he was throwing a lot of volume, right? But I was seeing all that shit. So he was just hitting me in my guard and on my shoulders. So I was just walking him down, boom, boom, boom. And then like trying to counter him. Of course, some of them sneak through, but like the majority of it, it was just smoke. They were hitting my guard. So it's like, it was like being in the gym kind of. But I was really impressed by, uh, but it's like, I feel like, ah, now I'm tiring him because I was putting a lot of pressure on him. I was actually putting pressure on him that he usually do to people, right? But I was walking him down and going to the body and all that. So I was like, ah, okay, now he's slowing down. And then it felt like he was slowing down. And then all of a sudden, the dude, he gets freaking gas from I don't know where. Like, da, 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 and then he keeps going. Okay, like, what the hell is wrong with this dude? <laughs> it's been pretty amazing to watch what you've done the last few years because, you know, there are fighters, once they make it to the UFC, they, they feel like they've made it. And if it doesn't work out, fans sort of react like, well, that's it. They're done. It doesn't get any better than that. But since then, you're, I mean, you're better than ever. 7-0, and including Cage Warriors, what you've done in Bellator so far. Like, 
Would you say much changed for you since parting ways with the UFC? Did it give you a boost in motivation? Like, how would you describe it? Yes, it gave me a boost in motivation, but it also gave me a boost in my maturity and how to, like, do stuff. Yeah, that I would say it matured me a lot. How so? Like, specifically? Like, men mentally. I think mentally it matured me a lot. Like, being in the UFC, I feel like, oh, it was cool. I'm the youngest Dane ever being signed to UFC. I think I was actually one of the youngest in UFC at the time and then getting kicked out. I was like, oh, shit. I need to get my shit together. And I got my shit together, and I'm very happy for everything that happened because I'm very, very happy to call Bellator my home. I think the fight between you and Sanchez, it was kind of like a hardcore fan's delight heading in. Like, were you seeing the build like to the fight? Cause there was a lot of excitement around your fight, even though the main event was the main event and everybody was talking about that. There was a lot of people talking about your fight with the manual as being like a potential barn bird. Were you seeing that attention on social media and such? Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel that. I feel that. And, and like, I feel like uh, Sanchez, he, he is kind of a MMA version of Arturo Gatti. Like, you know, whenever he goes in there, it, he, he can't be in a boring fight. It yeah. was a very, yeah. I mean, it was a very close fight. The scores were all over the place on Twitter land. How are you feeling afterwards? Like, were you confident you were getting your hand raised after that final yeah. horn rang? Yeah. I was super confident. The only I, thing I thought was like, uh, like if the, if the judges can see, like, because my defense is very subtle. You need to be educated to understand my, my defense. You need to be educated in boxing to understand my, my defense. If not, if, you don't, if you're not educated, you, you think, oh, I'm just walking into shots, which I'm absolutely not. I'm, I'm just blocking him with my arms, blocking him with my shoulders, rolling off, coming back, just inching my way into him. And, yeah, the, the judges could see that. Like, look, if you look at the fight, look at, the, look at, my, like, look at my face. It looks like I come straight from a dance party. I don't have one mark. If you look at his fucking face after the first round, he was bleeding and all that. So, yeah, I was super confident I got it. Plus, I, I mixed it up well, putting some. Of course, he 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 did very well too. I'm not saying that he did. He was game as game as they come, and I have a lot of respect to Emmanuel. Uh, but like, I mixed it up well too. Like, boom, 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 putting some hands on. We were going back and forth on the feet. Boom, then I got a takedown in. And the, we knew he was very good at getting up. So the plan was like, don't use too much energy to get him down. And if I get him down, don't use too much energy to keep him there. So if he gets up, walk him to the cage and blast him to the body before you let him go. And that worked pretty well. When you heard the 30-27s, were you still feeling confident? Because I, I was 100%. The, you, I, like when I heard the 30-27, then I knew like, yeah, it's definitely mine. Because if, if like... A, let's say the judge was like, eh, because they might not have like seen my defense. 100% I knew I won the third round. So if it's 30-27, yeah, I was like, okay, won that. So it's cool. Yeah, I, I, I think, I thought the first round, I mean, again, and I'm not a judge and thank God, I guess, because I would have got that one wrong. I thought he won the first round and then mm -hmm. the other two were close, but I had no problem with you getting, getting the nod, but I mean, were, were you, I mean, I know you're getting ready to prepare for your own fight, but there were a couple of pretty questionable judges' scorecards prior to your fight. Were you aware of those at all? Like a couple of fights that probably should have gone the other way, but didn't. No. You were focused no, on your aware. own stuff. 
Yeah. But seriously, try to go back and watch that first round in slow-mo. Motherfucker hitting eight, seven, eight punch combos. He ain't hitting with one punch in some of them, them combos. It's all smoke. It's that defense, the tenacious defense. It's the defense, but you don't get rewarded for defense. Nobody gives a fuck about the defensive player of the year in NBA. That's a Everybody shame. thinks Mayweather is boring. How many people know James Tony? Who knows who Willie Pep is? The defense. How many mastermind. people know Archie Moore, Jason Joe Walker, Essa Charles? None, because they're uneducated. No, so you, but I understand, like, it's it's entertainment, too. Like, offense is very cool, and I'm not knocking people and saying people are stupid and this and that. Of course, people are entitled to their opinion. That's just my opinion about defense, right? It's very subtle. And I understand if, like, if you tell me to do math, I don't know jack, jack shit about math. There's a lot of stuff I wouldn't understand, and it's the same if people don't understand, like, the subtle defense I do, then they'll be like, oh, he's getting hit. But he's not. What? But he's not getting hit. You're not getting hit. Look at his my face still pretty. So. <laughs> Clean as a whistle, my man. Mm-hmm. So heading into this fight, Bellator had already announced that the fight between Adam Borch and JJ Wilson, that's the number one contender fight. They were gonna get the winner of Pitbull versus McKee. A lot of people thought that the winner of your fight, especially if you won, which you did, you should be the number one contender. And it seems like you're pretty loosey-goosey. You're not in a giant rush to get to the bell. You're not calling anybody out. But is there a part of you that feels like you should be that guy that's next in line after getting that win? Like you said, I'm pretty loose about it. Actually, what I want the most right now is to fight. And, like, I would really love if Bellator came to Denmark or, like, just fight close to home because we, we have had all this COVID stuff. Uh, so we haven't been able to fight in front of an audience. We did that now, and that was super cool. I really loved in the first round, we were starting to sling leather, and then Emmanuel hit me with some combos, and people were like, oh, and then I hit him with some combos, they were like, oh, and then he hit me back, like, ah, it was going crazy. That was super cool. I love that. Uh, but I really like to fight in Denmark or close to home, and yeah, take one fight at a time and just go in and do me. And then eventually, like, I can't be denied. Maybe the Dublin card? Is that close to you? Yeah, I I really like to be on the Dublin card. My friend Patchy is, is fighting on that too, so that would be cool fighting on the same card as him. There you go. McKee had the big finish in the main event. I know you're impressed with, with the highlights that you saw. Were you surprised that he was able to go in there and, and just emphatically put Pitbull away that quickly? If you look at some of the interviews I had before this event, I actually picked McKee to, to beat Pitbull, so no, I was not. It seems, I, actually, I was yeah. pretty confident that he was going to beat him. Yeah, that was that was crazy. I was I was hoping the fight would, selfishly would go longer, just because I would I would have loved to have seen what a fourth and a fifth round would have looked like between those two guys. But man, AJ McKee was just not going to be denied at all. He's and a wild seems, man. He is a wild man. He's very good. I, I feel like this was his coming out party, and I feel like you kind of dealt with that yourself. And it seems like his future as the featherweight champion is kind of up in the air because he said prior to the fight on Saturday that. That might be his last fight at 145. It's a big weight cut for him. And he was asked about it at the press conference. Wouldn't like 100% commit to that, but he wants to go up to 55 and fight Pitbull for the lightweight title and be a champion. So <laughs> that would be, that would be so, that must be shitty being Pitbull. You just got knocked out by a dude for your featherweight belt. And it's like, oh yeah, now you got to fight him for your lightweight belt. It's like, oh fuck. <laughs> <laughs> if he go like if he goes up to 55 and wins that title, do you think there's any chance he'd come back down again? Or 
Do you think he, I like, got the two bouts? I can get per, one up. Per, personally, if I think most fighters who do that, if you can avoid cutting weight and still be like successful, why would you go back? If if he has the same, if you have the same success in like lightweight compared to when you fought featherweight, why would you go back to featherweight? Right. What? Yeah. W- w- would you be disappointed from a competitive standpoint if you never got the chance to fight AJ? I don't really care. You don't really care? No, I don't think about that. Where does the loosey-goosiness I- come from? Is that just the maturity that, that you've learned over the years since, since yeah, the UFC time? Like, of course, it's, it's important you take the fight game serious because the fighting game is like a girl. If you don't treat her right, she's, she won't treat you right. You got to treat her like your wife, but you shouldn't be uh, like uh, shouldn't be too tense about it. Life goes on. As long as your mom and dad still love you, you're good. Well said. <laughs> so if we're yeah. up to you, Dublin against anybody. Yeah, Dublin. Yeah, I don't have anybody on top of my mind. I'm, I know I've called out Vaishal. That would be a fun fight because I think he's a cool fighter and yeah, one of the Europe European guys. So Vaishal would be a cool fight. Yeah, I think that makes sense. I think the only other guy that'd be ranked like in that same area, like below you, that would be available would be Pico. And I think White Joe probably is at this point like a, a better matchup. I know you and Aaron are both managed by the same group and everything. So mm. I don't know. I, I think that makes a lot of sense, especially if we could do it in Dublin. Uh, I know and you're getting both ready. Europeans. And you're both Europeans, Europeans. which makes sense yeah. too. Uh, I know you're about to jump on a plane, but I, no I want to ask. No I wanted to ask on, in the post post by presser, by the way, you stole the show. Um, you <laughs> talked about wanting a good burger, a delicious post-fight meal worthy of, of, of the performance that you had. And you talked about your coaches eating good food around you and almost kind of rubbing it in. Like, were you able to, uh, to satisfy that need? Were you able to indulge in something delicious at all after that victory? Yeah, actually, that was pretty cool. Ali, he, has, he had some food uh, for some of the fighters in his room, some very good food. And then when I came down in the lobby, Chris Gonzalez apparently bought in and out for everybody. So I'm just standing there with uh, my coach. We like, we drinking a beer, me and my coach. And Chris comes behind me, like, chokes me like, yo, you hungry? I'm like, yeah. And it's like, oh, shit, look there. I bought in and out for everybody. It's like, shit. And then he had burgers for everybody. So I got an in and out and a Modelo. So that was cool. in and out for everybody? Like, he bought a big, big, big fucking case with in and out burgers. That's amazing. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Shout out to Chris Gonzalez for that. That's pretty cool. That that gets points in my book. Especially after like fighting a guy like Goichi and you know having a tough night, he goes out and you know rather than sulking it, he goes and buys everybody burgers. I mean, that is a, yeah. that is a true gem of a human that, being that, right there. That's super cool. And I think to be honest, that's the way to go. Like, yeah, if you get a loss, like they say, like don't let it don't let it get too much to your heart. Like think about it, assess what you did wrong, and then life goes on on to the next. And how do you how do you assess the wins? Like how do you deal with the wins so you don't oh, get like overconfident? I'm almost I'm almost more critical about my wins than I'm about my losses. <laughs> <laughs> I'm never satisfied. But that's I think if you want to be a top fighter, that's what you should you shouldn't be satisfied. The day you're satisfied, you should probably retire. Have you watched the fights since Saturday? Yeah, I watched many times, many times. And what was your biggest takeaway of like in terms of things you need to improve on? Hmm. That's a good question because it was such a bond burner. It was actually more like I was 
well, I really like the entertainment part of it. Mm, I was seeing what I did positive. I really think, I think what I was looking a lot for was actually my low calf kick because before my last fight with Saul, I didn't really kick that much. But then Dennis, he watched Saul fight and he was very bladed. So he's like, yo, you can blast him with that low calf kick. So I worked it, worked it, worked it in practice. It worked pretty well against Saul, but I really feel that I hit uh, Sanchez with some good uh, low calf kicks. And I was like, I saw him like, like it looked like it hurt on him once. And I kept going to it, but he was just freaking like, you taking everything. It's like, what the hell is wrong with this guy? And now my own leg is bu busted up for kicking him so much. I'm like walking around like I need crutches. <laughs> what happens when you fight a zombie like that, man? Just poker face yeah. all day. Yeah, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call Emmanuel a zombie because I feel if you're a zombie, you're like not technical. I think he's very, very technically sound standing and on the ground. But yeah, yeah, I, I, I know what you mean. Yeah, I meant that with all due respect, Mr. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mr. Emmanuel Sanchez. Listen, Matt, congratulations on the win. Tremendous performance, not just in the cage, but out of it on the mic and at the post-fight press conference. I think you uh, you stole the show after the fact and you had everybody laughing and hooting and hollering. So safe travels to you, my man, and hopefully we get to see you on that November card in Dublin. Have a nice day, man, and thanks for the time. I appreciate it. If, if it weren't for guys like you, reporters, we wouldn't have like uh, all the fans watching and all that. So thank you for your work. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. We need a Mads Burnell podcast in our lives. Great personality, great performance, great victory. Great victory, seven in a row. Guy is a dangerous man, 145 pounds. Really interesting to see what they do next. I like the Daniel Veitchel idea. They could do that in Dublin. Makes all the sense in the world. And his approach to the fight game is just unbelievable. As we move ahead to one of the big stars heading out of BKFC 19, a little less than two weeks ago in Tampa, Florida. Let us check in with Taylor Starling. All right, let us say hello to Taylor Starling, one of the breakout stars for Bare Knuckle Fighting Championship. She's now 2-0 for the promotion after a 28-second finish of Cassie Robb 10 or so days ago in Tampa at BKFC 19. Happy to have the Killer Bee join us on the program this week. Taylor, how are you? I'm fantastic. How are you doing? A little I'm under the weather, but I'm, I'm good. Yeah, so what happened? What's going on? I, I have no idea. I, as soon as I got back from Florida, I kind of felt funky and... Um, then I woke up really, really sick and turns out I have COVID. And it seems to me like a lot of people that were down in Florida and just a lot of people around me in general are starting to test positive. So it seems like it's kind of making its way back around and it's been really rough, but this is the first day that I felt really good. So when did you start to, to really feel it? Did you start to feel it like a couple of days after the fight or? Um, honestly, I got home. So I got home that Saturday. I fought Friday, came home Saturday. And for some reason, I just couldn't eat. 
And it, that's very unusual for me because I love to eat. And I was like, gosh, I can't eat. And then that Tuesday is when I woke up with like a really bad fever and shaking and not feeling so hot. Um, so I took a test that day. I knew I knew something was wrong. Um, but it took it took a couple of days before it really like kicked in, I guess, would be the words for it. Are you saying that I should get tested since I was down there? Yes. Oh, no. <laughs> Oh, I don't boy. know. It's just crazy. It's like every, it's like all of a sudden every single person that I've seen or like interacted with, they've also caught it or feel kind of under the weather. So, well, I know what I'll be doing the first chance I get. So thank I you know, for the right? advice. <laughs> but you know, on a brighter note that win over Cassie Robb has gotten you a lot of attention. You open up a lot of eyes with that performance, that relentless show of ferocity that was on display in Tampa. What outside of COVID and, and dealing with that, what has life been like over the last week? Plus, like, have you noticed an uptick in people wanting to know more about you, social media, following, et cetera? Um, my social media following definitely bumped up, um, which I'm always like, that's typical usually after a fight. But honestly, I haven't even had like the chance to like celebrate or like even really process it or anything like that. Like I even was sitting yesterday. I'm like, dang, like I just fought and it doesn't even feel like it. Um, but there definitely has been a lot more, uh, uptick in the following on social media and I'm so thankful. Um, I'm excited to be able to get back in the gym and get back to work because I know after this is going to be some, some pretty big opportunities coming my way. I would agree. And I think one thing that stuck out about you throughout the week, even at the press conference and everything, like you were confident, but you and Cassie kept it very respectful the entire time, even photos afterwards of you giving her a piggyback and whatnot. And, <laughs> and you and I sort of talked about the switch flipping when the fight began, like you just that, 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 that sort of fighter mentality, that spirit just came out of you as soon as the bell rang. What did that victory do for your confidence, not just as a fighter, but in terms of how the company views you right now? Um, honestly, I was so nervous before I walked out. I was so nervous. I was a mess. I, I even said the words like, I'm like, I just, I really just don't feel good. Um, it was just because I had set the bar so high in my last fight that I felt a lot of pressure on me to go out there and like set the bar even higher which I knew I could do. I knew I was capable of, but it was a lot of pressure on me. And it was like, what if, you know, what, what, what if, what if, what if, um, but I knew I had put in all the work. I knew I had worked hard. So I just had to go capitalize on it. And a lot of people, um, I just went in there and I just, I really, I felt calm once I was in there. And once I was in there and I saw Cassie in front of me, all that, like my fight mode just kicked in and switch. And I have a lot of respect for anybody who fights, um, I don't like to be, I don't like to talk trash and, and like do all that stuff just because at the end of the day, no matter what, you're going to have to get in there and fight whoever you're going to have to get in there and fight, whether you talk crap or not. Um, I feel like negative energy just takes more out of me and I don't really like to play into that. And just anybody who is willing to step up and step in the ring has my respect and there's no reason for anything else. Are those nerves typical for you? Like, do you experience it like to that level? <laughs> typically or is was this like bigger than than it usually is I can definitely say it was a little bit more so but more so the fact that like I knew I had I knew a lot of people were going to be like okay is she really about this bare knuckle life or not which I know I proved that in my last fight but I just had a, I felt like I had just a little tiny bit more pressure on me um but I'm always nervous before a fight I think if I'm not nervous something's wrong 
Um, anytime I've ever just gone into a fight calm, it hasn't really gone well for me. Um, I'm calm, but I'm nervous because it's like you're going in there and you're bare knuckle boxing in front of a crowd of people. If you're not nervous, something's wrong. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, kind of going back to some of the things you were dealing with mentally and emotionally coming out of the fight with Teresa and, and how that sort of weighed on your mind. You wanted to prove that, you know, this was, you are about this life, that incredible war you two ladies had. What specifically did you take away from that fight? Like other than, other than a victory and bumps and bruises, what did you take away, you know, from a mental perspective and from a confidence perspective after the Sagala fight? Um, mentally, it, it just kind of honestly reassured me because I knew I know how I fight and every single fight I go out there and lay it on the line. I put my heart and soul in there. I, I truly genuinely go in there and put my life on the line. Like I go in there as if I'm fighting for my life. Um, so mentally the takeaway was just like showing, like showing that and like proving people that I am that. And I know that, um, also just, the experience and like really taking my first bare knuckle fight and like what it felt like, what my emotions were like for that, my nerves for that. Um, but I knew, I knew what I was capable of and it was just a matter of me like showing the world what I was capable of. So the big reason I wanted to have you on here is a lot of people have reached out. They, they want to know more about you, Taylor. They want to know more about your, your journey into this crazy world of combat sports that you have engulfed yourself in. And from what I understand, and you can correct me and fill in the blanks if you can, you began in, in the mixed martial arts world and you, you had about a four fight amateur run. All those fights took place, if memory serves me correctly, in 2015. Like how, how did that all begin for you? Like what got you into the MMA space and now on this crazy combat sports road you're on right now? Well, it's crazy because I actually started off with amateur boxing when I was a teenager. Um, I had gotten in a lot of fights in school. I got picked on a lot, but my like the way my dad raised me was just not to take any shit from anybody. <laughs> So I would get picked on and bullied, but I'd stand up for myself and I would end up in fights and end up on the better end of fights. And I had some family friends and the wrestling coach like, hey, maybe you should try, like, maybe you should try wrestling or like combat sports. And I just like, I was like, I would love to punch somebody. So I got into a taekwondo gym and started kickboxing and boxing and jujitsu. And I did a couple grappling tournaments and then I really wanted to just punch somebody. So I got into amateur boxing and then I really wanted to go to MMA. I didn't, I didn't really particularly enjoy jujitsu. So it was like, it was more of a, I have to, because there's where the, that's when it was blowing up and more so um, than it was, it was starting to really take off. Ronda Rousey had like just became the women's world champion. I was like, there's a lot more opportunity in women's MMA, but I wasn't too excited to fight MMA. Um, but I knew that that was where the opportunity was going to be. And I had a lot of people tell me at a young age, like boxing's a lot harder to get into than MMA or anything else. And that's kind of how it came to be. Um, I, I just, and I wanted to fight MMA because I wanted to get into a freaking brawl. Like I wanted to have small gloves on and punch somebody like that. And so when I heard about bare knuckle, that's when I was like, Hmm, I think I need to go to bare knuckle. And my coach at the time absolutely hated the idea. The coach that I was training with, he was like, absolutely not. Are you going to fight bare knuckle? So I kind of put it to the wayside. And when Paige Van Zandt signed, I was like, Oh, 
if Paige Van Zandt can go fight Bare Knuckle, I can go fight Bare Knuckle. And I can beat Paige Van Zandt is like how I felt when I saw her sign. And that's, I just kind of kept chipping away at it. And I couldn't feel any more at home than I do at Bare Knuckle. Once you started taking those classes, did people like, did you get a reputation? Like we can't mess with this girl anymore. Like no more bullying. Like she'll, she'll beat our ass. Like, is that how it was? Or did people still try to try to start with you? Um, I think it only took a couple times of getting in a, in some really good fights at school that people were like, all right. And then I, I kind of got the reputation of like, okay, I think we should leave Taylor alone. <laughs> <laughs> um, once people realized that I was like about that life, they were, they left me alone. I'm always a super nice person. It was just like, I moved to Albuquerque, New Mexico. That's where I live. That's where I went to school and Albuquerque's rough and me being there and just being the tiny little girl that I am, people just wanted to pick on me, but I don't, I don't take shits. <laughs> they learned real quick. <laughs> what was, what was 2015 like for you? Because, you know, like we talked about you, you were super active. You, you fought a lot in 2015 in MMA as a lot of amateur fighters do. I mean, you had some ups, some downs. How would you describe where your mindset was at towards the latter end of 2015, like in your relationship with MMA at the time? Yeah, I would honestly say that I wasn't, um, like, in my head, I thought I was training as, like, serious as I could, um, but I wasn't, like, I really didn't know too much, like, how much strength and conditioning played in a huge factor, or just, like, dieting and things like that. Like, I'm in better shape now after I've had kids than I was back then. Like, I, I thought I was working hard, and I was working hard, but just not you know, when you start to really learn the game and like the little things that you have to do, um, as an athlete, just outside of the gym and everything is, it's, it's a lot more than just going to the gym and training for an hour and then leaving and then that being it. So I didn't really have that mentality yet at the time. I didn't really know. And I didn't really have a lot of good guidance of people making sure that I was on top of those things. So that, that played a huge factor in it. And, um, you know, it was one of those things where I was going in there and solely depending on my grit and my toughness. And then I started learning like, okay, there's different aspects to this besides just being freaking tough. Like you gotta, you gotta really change some things. After that, I mean, and at least according to some of the record pages from MMA, it looks like you took some time off. Um, I don't know if you kept boxing or anything like that, but at least like according to your topology page, you took four years off. You ended up competing for glory in the kickboxing world at the beginning of 2019. Then you returned to MMA on, uh, later on that year. Did the time off be come from becoming a mom? Like you wanted to focus on yeah. motherhood or was it more, was it more than that? Um, I had babies. So yeah, I had my, um, my oldest son, he's five now. I had him and then I kind of, after I had him, I was like, oh, yeah, I can bounce back. I can get in shape. And I started getting in shape, started to get, getting to where I was about to go back to the gym and start hitting it hard. And then I found out I was pregnant with my second son. And it was like, oh, wow. Like, I remember with my second son, I just felt completely like, okay, I'm done. Like, I'm done fighting. There's no hope for me. I had plenty of people tell me, like, you will never fight again. You can't. You're a mom. You are out of shape. You that's the life you have to focus on now. No more fighting for you. And I believed that for a little bit. And I just remember someone really close to me telling me, like, oh, you'll never do it again. You're not capable. And it lit a fire under my ass that I was like, why? Why why just because I have kids and I'm a mom, do I have to 
just say no. And then I thought about it more and I was like, my kids are going to one day, they're going to have dreams and goals and things they want to do. And who am I to sit and say like, you can go for your dreams, but I, I gave up on mine because I had you like, that's, that's just not, so this really has been a journey of me just proving to my children, like you can go for your dreams, you can set goals and you can do it regardless of anything. As long as you work hard, you're nice to people and you just get shit done. You can do anything you want in this world. And yeah, right after that, I had, I had my second son. I went on a tear as an amateur boxer, like trying to just get myself back into the fighting game. I went on a tear and then next thing you know, Glory's hitting me up. And they said, we want you to come fight. And I'm hell yeah, let's do it. Like I was kickboxing. I, I've always trained everything. I've always trained mixed martial arts, everything, kickboxing, boxing, jujitsu, wrestling. So there was no reason for me not to do it. And that was the first time I had like my first huge opportunity. But I will say I didn't want to be, <laughs> didn't really want to be a kickboxer, but it was like, I don't want to do MMA. Boxing's not happening right now. Glory's where to go. What, what, what do your kids think about what, what you do? Like, are, are they cool? Do they get it? Or are they still a little too young? Um, they're still a little too young. They understand like they, it's funny. Cause like the UFC fights can be on and there could be two men fighting and they're like, Oh, there's mommy. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's, it's hilarious, but they, um, they come to the gym. They love the gym. They hang out. They don't really like, it's funny. Cause I can be mid sparring and they're like, mommy, mommy mommy like can you can you grab me this and I'm like I'm my hands are a little tied right now um but they come to the gym I try to talk to them about it as much as possible a lot of people ask me all the time why they haven't been to one of my fights and my answer is just I want them to be able to say like hey mommy I want to come to your fight I want I don't want to force them or like you know bare knuckles very gruesome um they watched my fight with Teresa <laughs> and my oldest one he my little one's more savage my older one he's very sensitive so it definitely it killed him to see me bloody like that and I just want them to say like I want to go and I want to be there um but they support me and they understand somewhat when did you, when did you come back? Like for the boxing, like how long of a, of a break did you actually take? Let me think. Cause I, I definitely, it was, it was a freaking journey. Cause I remember I had my second son and I'm not, I was like 180 pounds. I was, I was heavy. Um, so what I did, I remember I like set goals. So I started working out at home, worked out at home, got down probably to like 140. I just started like killing myself at home before I even set foot back in the gym. Um, and then I got my weight down some and then I went back to the gym. I want to say at least six months, like six, maybe a little bit more than six months. And then I went back, it took a good year before I took a fight, but it was a whole process. I knew that I had to like get my weight down before I just went in the gym. I went in the gym, had to make sure I could <laughs> do everything all over again. It's a lot harder than just like going back. It's not like riding a bike. Exactly. I went in there and had to really chip away at it. So it was about a good year before I took a fight, but it was a, it was a long year. At that point, like you, you take the opportunity for glory. You're like, I'm, I'm done with MMA. I'm not going to do this anymore. And then you come back to MMA, you fight Jimmy Savage, <laughs> small world. The two of you find yourself in the same sport. Once again, the same organization, you lose that fight. And then you fight again a month later and you get your first pro win first round verbal stoppage for King of the cage. And 
that's it, right? That was the last MMA fight. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I actually, the crazy thing is I was kind of in camp for, or I was in camp for my, um, fight with the verbal stoppage against Brianna Smith, but, um, I was in shape. I was already in a camp and I remember someone had messaged me and said, Hey, um, do you want to fight in like three days in Kentucky? And I'm like, Oh, I don't know. And I was like, but then something in me was like, just go do it. Why not? You're already in camp. Why not just go? All you got to do is drive up to Kentucky, go fight. And then in a couple of weeks, you'll fight again. And I'm crazy like that. Like I love, I just love to fight. And I remember seeing Jenny Salvage on there and I felt so awful because she had put in like a full camp and her opponent backed out. I don't know really exactly what happened, but her opponent fell through. And I was like, man, that sucks, but I'm in good shape. Like, why not? Like, why not go do it? I'm already almost at weight. I can just cut the pounds, go do it. So I went and did it. And that was one of the best fights I've ever had. Like that fight, if you watch that fight, you would think we were in a bare knuckle fight. All we did was stand up the whole entire fight and exchange the whole entire time. Um, and it was a really cool experience. The only thing was um, I fought a couple, I broke my nose in that fight. And when I fought against Brianna Smith, I remember she hit me and I was like, I probably should have <laughs> let my nose heal. <laughs> so how did you end up back in MMA? Like you were done with this. Was it just because you got that call? Like how, how did you end up back when you felt like um, that, 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 that page had been turned, so to speak? People had just like, you know, it's hard. when you hear things like, I don't know now, now. So if you told me to go back to MMA, like you're crazy, I'm not doing that. But it was a lot easier to talk to me and be like, why don't you do it? Um, I, like I said, there's a lot more opportunity. I wanted to box. I wanted to fight for glory. Glory was kind of BS to me. Um, so nothing was going on. And it seemed like the only thing that there was for me to do was to go back to MMA. If I wanted to fight MMA was there, there were opportunities there. So that's why I went back to MMA and I love King of the cage. Um, I know all of the people in King of the cage and they were like, come fight for us and we'll take good care of you. And I was like, okay, like, absolutely. So that was kind of what really pushed me. And then the Jenny Savage thing just kind of happened randomly. So I jumped on it. I, I want to fight. That's. <laughs> and then BKFC arrived on the scene and, and here we are. And here we are. You had the first fight and, you know, there, there's clearly a different comfort level for this fight with Cassie Robb, you know, especially co coming off of a battle like you had with Charissa. I mean, I'm, I'm sure that made you much more comfortable after experiencing that amount of time and that amount of damage and that kind of fight. Like, how would you compare the mental approach between the Sagala fight and the Robb fight? With the Teresa fight, I had no idea what to expect. Like you, it's kind of, it's just like a dream. Like when you, before you fight bare knuckle, you sit and you think about it. Like, what is this going to be like? What is it going to be like getting in the, hit in the face with no gloves on? Or what is it going to be like punching somebody? So I remember just being in there with Teresa. And when we stood on the line, like to toe the line, I was just like, oh shit, <laughs> this is real. One of us is about to hit each other. Like it was very like, ah. And then with Cassie, like I was nervous, but I went in there and the second I stood on the line, I felt so calm and I just looked at her and I like was reading her body head to toe and I knew exactly what she was going to do just by looking at her. I was like, she's going to come forward. It's her first bare knuckle fight. She's not going to back up. She's going to come at me. And so I just, I knew that I had to step to the side, throw her right hand. And I sat and talked about it. Like it's her first fight. 
when I hit her, it's going to tell me everything that I need to know. I know she's either going to get hit and keep coming at me or she's going to crumble. And what happened was I hit her. I, everything that I saw in my head as a, a vision, like just happened. Like I stepped to the side, I hit her and I seen her face the second I hit her like, ah, and I knew that I had her. It's a lot. Getting hit with bare knuckle is no joke. Like it is so different. And it's like, you can sit and think that you know how it's going to go, but until you get hit with a bare knuckle, you, <laughs> you really don't. I'm, I'm one thing that I, I found kind of fascinating was, I mean, I was literally at the fighter hotel with you guys staying out there. And right before everyone started going to the arena, I remember there were certain fighters that were sitting out in the main lobby. One of them was Cassie, who was getting ready for her first bare knuckle fight. And she's talking with other bare knuckle fighters. And they're all telling her, like, it's so different when you get hit in the face with a bare knuckle. Like, it's just way different. It's like, I, I, there's one, like, incredible comparison that I, I don't remember what it was. But I was just like, man, that's that's pretty heavy stuff to be telling somebody before you go into your first <laughs> fight. Were people telling you that, like, just being, like, tr trying to – it's like being a parent, right? Like, people yeah. can tell you how to be a parent all you want and what it's like when you have the baby. But until you experience it for yourself, like, it never lives up to that. You have your own experiences. So were people trying to tell you, like – Hey, this is what it feels like when you get punched in the face of the bare knuckle fist. Yeah. The funny thing is for me, the thing I heard about the most was not even as much getting hit. A lot of people were like, Oh, be ready for how your hands are going to feel. Be ready for how your hands are going to feel. Like they're like, you think you can, you think you can stand to go in there and hit somebody for five rounds with a uh, bare knuckle. Like your hands are going to be screwed. And I remember I was like, they were like, did you condition your knuckles? Did you do this? Did you do that? I was like, Oh God. I'm not. And then that's true. Like to me, that was the worst part. Like getting hit really sucked. And it's definitely different. It's not like you can take a heavy. Sh it's harder to take a heavy shot or a small shot. It's not like you can just get it and kind of compose yourself. Like when you're getting hit with those over and over again, it's a lot and it's overwhelming. You can't see like that's the thing is like when you get hit with those bare knuckles, you cannot see. Um, but my hands when I fought Teresa, like, I remember the last round, so many people were talking so much junk. Oh, she's tired. She's tired. But I wasn't tired. I literally, my hands, I was standing there like this, like bouncing like this because I couldn't even close my hand anymore. Um, that was the one thing I heard. But oh, yeah, definitely. Everyone was coming up to me. Oh, you ready? Are you ready? Do you think you can handle this? And I was like, yeah, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> So now you find yourself in a position where people just want to see you fight all the time now, but you're also, like you just said, you're not one to talk trash and call people out. And there's certainly like a humbleness or respect factor attached to that approach. You're, you're a company gal and there's nothing wrong with that, but there has to be something that makes sense to you. Like something that stands <laughs> out, right? Like, I know you don't make those decisions, but there has to be like kind of a wish list of some sorts, right? Is that, is that accurate? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't think that Rachel Ostevich will fight um, bare knuckle again. I don't know. Um, the way she was talking at the press conference, I don't think she will. But I'm not calling her out. I'm just saying, like, I definitely believe that I'm up in the talks with the top girls. Like, I believe it's Christine, Britton, me, and Beck. I think that those, and a lot of people can say what they want, but I'm 2-0. I think I've more than proved myself. Um, I'll do it again if I have to keep doing it, but there's no reason that I should be fighting anybody debuting anymore. Like, I feel like I can be up in there with them. There's nobody for me to call out. Like, I just, I just know that whatever it is, but I, I also understand the fact that 
Christine, Beck, and Britton have all been in there way longer than I have. They've all been there for a really long time. They've all got a good number amount of fights. Um, but if you were to ask me, like, who are the top people that should be up there and that should be in the talks for the belt, I believe that it's Christine, Britton, Beck, and me. And that's it. So I mean, it's it's funny because I thought Rachel looked completely at home in there. Like oh, I felt yeah. more, more so than great. she ever did in the UFC or any MMA fight. I felt like she, the, like the dog came out of her, like that Hawaiian fighter spirit came out of her and it came out of her immediately. Cause that's like, yes. that's one thing I noticed about bare knuckle. And, and you, and you sort of touched on that. Like when you get hit, you know, like, you know, right away. And you know, like from the nerves and the mentality heading into a fight, Rachel cracked page right away and yeah. immediately from there i was like all right like this is kind of surprising but she fits in really nice here do you do you feel you really feel like she's not going to come back and do this again you think it was a one-time I know. Game? she it uh we were sitting next to each other she just kind of was like i don't know if i want to do that again but she also <laughs> was like then she also was like that was really fun and it, it is like it's addictive like it's just one of those things like where you could tell if you're about that life or not and bare knuckle, like we said. And like, I think, I think that maybe at first she might've been like, ah, I don't know, but I think she's going to be like, man, I want to do that again. It's, I, and I hope she does. Cause she really did look at home in there and it was awesome. Like the way she carried herself too and stuff like that was really, really cool to get to fight next to her. Um, and I hope she does come back, but it also is one of those things. Like when you see your face, <laughs> Like my face after Teresa, like when your face is messed up and you feel like you're just like that, it's, it's a lot, it's a lot to take. Like you don't get to recover as fast. Like I got lucky this fight with not without, with coming out unscathed, but when you're hurt like that, your hands, your face, it takes at a minimum, like four months to like fully come back and heal from that. Like your hands hurting and your face like not hurting anymore the swelling and stuff goes down pretty quick and your black eyes kind of go away really quick but your hands and stuff like you got to give yourself a lot of time to heal so it's a lot harder it's not like mma where you can make a faster turnaround or things like that it's, it's a lot different how are your hands after the cassie rob fight they were good they were sore for a couple of days like my right hand especially <laughs> like my hands were very very sore I don't remember getting hit. And if I did, I just didn't feel it. Like I had like a little bit of soreness, like right here. But other than that, like I felt great. My hands were just sore and now they're fine. You, you mentioned that as soon as Paige signed, you felt like, all right, well, if, if she's, she's in, I can, I can be in too. And Paige obviously has a big name. She's got a big following, et cetera, et cetera. But now she's Owen two in the promotion. I feel like matching Paige up with you would be, would not be a good thing for her. I just, I just think that you're, I don't know. I just, I, I don't like that matchup for her. I think if she's going to come back, you got to build her confidence in some way. And I don't think a fight with you would do that. So I'm curious, like if Dave Feldman and, and the BKFC brass approached you with the page fight, obviously there's a lot of, there's a lot of attention that comes with that, but as a competitor, does that fight even appeal to you right now? Do like, do you feel you're, you're, you're that far ahead of her at this point? Um, it doesn't really appeal to me. Um, it would be an honor. I think Paige is awesome. Paige is so nice. Paige is a badass. I think a lot of people are really kind of knocking her and it's, I think that's bullshit, but, um, Paige is awesome, but no, I want, I'm right now, like we're, we're, we're just, 
in two different conversations, I think right now as just like with what I'm doing and the tournament and champ talk and belt talk and stuff like that. Like I'm above that. I'm not above fighting page at all. I would like, she's awesome. And it would be an honor. But like I said, we're in two different conversations right now. Like, I think, like you said, I think that she needs to get her confidence back and gain her traction back and do that. That's what they do. Like in the UFC, you don't get, people don't lose, like you don't, you're not up in the top and then lose and then get to just automatically just fight the champ again or like get, get right back up in there in that ranking, like, like that, you know, I think it needs to be something where she builds herself back up and hopefully gets right back to it. You know, I hope that, I hope she still continues to fight for bare knuckle. And I, I hope that she makes her way back that way. Yeah. I mean, she took a little bit of a beating. I thought she showed a lot of improvement between the Britain Hart fight and the Rachel fight. I just think, I don't know. I just, to me, and, and, and I just want to get your take on this. The first fight with Britain, I felt like she was more of an MMA fighter trying bare knuckle. This yes. fight, I think she was a boxer doing bare knuckle. Yeah. She focused all of her attention on boxing. Like, and to me, like if she could find like the middle ground, I think she could find some success. Am, is, am I looking at this the right way as, as somebody no, who's in the sport? I absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. I was, I mean, obviously I fought the same night she did that night, but I was out in the crowd watching her and Britain fight. And you could see that she came into her own at like round five, round maybe round four, round five. She started really coming into her own and like finding her way. But at first it was like, Oh shit. Like this is a bare knuckle fight. It's not like MMA. It's different. Um, but I definitely think she belongs there. Like she, and, and like, then let me say Paige can get so hit so freaking hard and shit. And her face is still perfect. Like her face gets like the most minimal amount of like bruising <laughs> and she doesn't cut open. So like, she's tough. Like she's not a bleeder. She's not a, she doesn't split open easy. She doesn't bruise like easy. And I'm always like, man, I'm so jealous of that. Cause I'm a bleeder. I like, it takes nothing for me to bleed. After the fight and you heard at the press conference, people immediately thought, you know what, let's do, let's do Taylor starring versus Britain hard. And you two, you two seem pretty tight. You both are, you're both in on that as long as there's money and a title attached to it. And I feel like the two of you have been, for sure the breakout names for the company this year. And interestingly enough, I talked to Britain after the fight and I asked her, you know, who deserved that title, the breakout fighter of the year more in 2021. She said, hands down, it's her because she beat Paige then she beat Jenny. Do you agree with that? Like, do you, I mean, this, I'm not trying to stir the pot or anything, but I just want to get yeah. your take on that. No, absolutely. Britain's been there for a while and I feel like she's, she is a pioneer for women's bare knuckle. And I do agree. Um, and yeah, we are not fighting each other unless it's for a belt and a large amount of money. I feel like that's just only fair. Like even with like Paige, like I don't even know how much Paige made this last fight, but it wasn't a belt fight. I mean, she fought Rachel. They have their name. I understand they're solidified in the sport, but like, come on now. You can afford to pay me in Britain literally a fraction of what I know that Paige got fought or got paid for Bar for um, Knucklemania. Like they can, if they want to make that happen, like, like Britain said, we are both really good friends. I have known Britain for a long time. We are good friends. I have no animosity towards her. So if we're going to have to, if we're going to fight each other, it needs to, there needs to be something behind it, money and a belt. And that's just all that makes sense. Like there's like, I'm not going to go and fight her for just nothing and go fight each other and not be it. Like there's got to be something behind it. 
Has there been any talks about what they're going to do in terms of crowning a first champion in this division? Like, or I mean, you mentioned four names. It seems obvious. I love a tournament as much as ne- as much as the next person. Why not do it that way? Four person elimination tournament and do it that way. Like, has, has that been discussed? Like, are, are you privy to any of that? We literally, there has been no talk about it until after the fights. And um, I even was like, I, I honestly didn't even know that there wasn't a women's champion. Cause like, you know, there's the police gives out belt and stuff like that, that um, Christine's gotten and Beck's gotten. But then I realized, like, oh, that's not the championship belt. The championship belt is gold and it says BKFC. There's never been a women's champion, which honestly I understand because there hasn't been that many women in bare knuckle. And now is like the division stacking up. Um, I think it only makes sense. Like why not have a women's champion? And now that we all fought on that card and the way that things have panned out, now they're talking about it and that's great, but we need it to happen. Like we need it to happen. <laughs> if we're up to you, when are you getting back in there? Like there, there's a couple cards in the books. I know there's one in August. I think that's probably too soon. They're heading to Phoenix in October. I don't know if that's too soon, but do you feel confident that we'll see you back in there before the end of the year? Yes, I actually have talked to the matchmaker and he he called me like the next day after the fight. Like, yeah, so when are you ready to get back in there? And I was like, hold on, <laughs> I need to like eat some bad food. Um, I want to, I'm going to say probably October, November. Probably October, November. Um, that's that's the word I've gotten is October, November. Um, September is just a little too soon for me. I want to, like, I really, like, I've gotten COVID, so I haven't got to do anything. Um, I kind of wanted to take a, I, I'm getting the break I needed because I haven't had time off work or anything. So I'm getting a break from COVID, but um, I want to enjoy some bad food and just like live like my normal human life for like a week <laughs> and then, and then hit, get back to hitting it hard. Um, but for me in a perfect world, October, November would be perfect. Have you gotten a name or anything yet? No, I've tried to ask too. They're still kind of, I think they're still kind of, I think me and Britain threw them through a loop. I don't know if they expected us to just be like, all right, we're going to fight each other. Like, I think that that's what they thought was going to happen. Um, but we both stood our ground on that one. Um, Christine, I believe, is fighting in September for Toe the Line. I think she's the main event for a Toe the Line event. And then I believe that Beck is fighting in October um, is what I've heard. So we'll see. We'll see. They told me that they are kind of weighing out the possibilities right now and trying to figure out what they're going to do. But I'm ready. I'm ready for whoever. You and Beck in October? That sounds like a like a hell of a main event <laughs> or a co-main event. Yeah, that would be cool. I'm if I'm if I'm fighting Beck Rollins, I better be the damn main event. <laughs> <laughs> Unless Britain's fighting, then she could be a main event above me. Britain's just loving that and enjoying that marriage <laughs> life right now. She's all over the place, posting pictures at Disneyland with the new hubby and everything. I mean, look at her. I She's know. Just making See, big that's moves. A, I'm I'm trying to get. I'm ready for COVID to go so I can have my. <laughs> post-fight celebration i haven't even got to like i haven't seen any of my team i haven't got to see anybody my parents really nobody and i like just want to hug everybody and it feels like i it feels like i fought but it doesn't because i haven't got to just do all the things i do post-fight what else besides eating bad food what are you going to do to to celebrate this victory i don't know i really want to go to the beach i really want to go to the beach um I was going to try to take my kids to Disney World, uh, but the way that COVID's 
kind of happening right now. I don't really know if I want to take them and have them out there. And especially it's hot right now. I just want to do something. Like I just want to enjoy some time with my kids and eat bad food and not have to worry about fighting for like one day. There you go. What, what, what are we talking about a year from now in your eyes? Like one year from right now, we have like an anniversary chat. Where are you at? What are we talking about? Belt around my waist. I'm that quickly? That belt Boom. I'm holding it up while we're talking. Look, look at my belt. So shiny. <laughs> that quick. Wow. That see if, if they did a tournament, that'd be a quick tournament. I would, that would be pretty awesome. Let's go. I'm ready. Well, Taylor, I mean, it has been uh, a hellacious start to the year for you. Excited to see what is next. Hopefully in October or November, I think BKFC, frankly, you should be strapping the rockets to both you and Britain right now, if we're being honest, but uh, great job. Great job yeah, on the, at BKFC you. 19. Thank you so much for the time. And, uh, and, and thank you for, for telling your story. I appreciate it. No, absolutely. Thank you. It means a lot to me. And thank you everybody who tunes in and watches this. I love you all. And I can't wait to see what's next. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. I'm glad we got to do that conversation. Learned a lot about the career, the path, the life of one Taylor Starling. I think she could be a a very big player for BKFC, for this promotion. She could be the face of this promotion. I know... They got some names. They got Paige. They got Rachel Ostovich and others like that, that sell tickets, no doubt about it. But at, you have to bring up your homegrown talent as well. I mean, look what Bellator has done with AJ McKee. I know that took a took some years, some seasoning, if you will, to get to that point. But eventually they got there. And I think Taylor Starlin can be sort of that homegrown star for BKFC as well. I think Britton Hart's right there as well. And that was just a great performance for her, kind of a breakout moment at BKFC 19 with that win over Cassie Robb. So I'm glad we got to have that conversation and get to know a little bit more about her road to BKFC and where she goes from here. As we move ahead to our next guest, doesn't do a lot of interviews, but he was in Las Vegas this past weekend. And while he was there, had the chance to catch up with the former UFC flyweight title challenger, man who's hoping to get back to that title shot once again down the road. Let us check in with Alex Perez. All right, let us welcome back to the program, Mr. Alex Perez. He returns to action August 28th. The deck has been shuffled once more for this man as it has for pretty much an entire year for this man. He faces Matt Schnell August 28th, his first appearance since stepping in and fighting for the flyweight title back in November. Alex, good to see you, man. How are you? I'm good, man. How are you doing? 
doing great. It has been crazy. We go from Schnell in May to Askarov in July, which would have been this, I think this weekend, and then back to Schnell in around a month or so. To say that the UFC in this division has kept you on your toes, that's a massive understatement, is it not? Uh, yeah, you know what I mean? But part of the job, um, you're not guaranteed to make it to the fight, you know, you or your opponent. And uh, you kind of got to roll with it, man. It's just like a roller coaster. There ain't nothing you can do about it. So I, I want to go back to November because you get the title shot that a lot of people felt like you deserved. It wasn't, you know, it had to do with Cody being kind of brought out. You removed from one fight to the title fight and you go in there against a guy in Davis of Figueredo that had just been on a rampage in this division, gets the guillotine, fights over shortly thereafter. I'm sure you were frustrated with the result, but I mean, you've done this thing so many times at this point. What were you able to take away from that title fight and the whole fight week experience and just getting in there with Figgy and having the fight play out the way that it did? Um, nothing new, man. I, the only thing that came to head is fuck shit happens. Uh, that's the best way to put it. Um, this game's about inches, you know, seconds, and that just goes to prove it. Um, my coaches did a great job of getting me ready. I mean, don't we practice six, six, eight weeks, whatever it was guillotine defense you know i was a split second late of, of jumping over you know to the opposite side of the guard you know i when i jumped it was a little too late i jumped into the guard because he was already setting it up i should have jumped a little bit earlier at the end of the day it is what it is that happens man uh ain't nothing much about it um you know people are like oh you're gonna change teams do that no nah, man it's not it's not my team's fault not my coach's fault it's just the way life is man it's, Sometimes it doesn't work out, but you can't blame anybody else. I'm the only one in there, and uh, I take full responsibility. Um, split second late. It is what it is. Get back to the drawing board. Get back at it. People are telling you to switch teams or asking you if you're going to switch teams after after that. Yeah, really? That's you know, crazy. I, you know what I mean? And it's you know it's crazy. It's not. I don't. I don't think it's like crazy because you see a lot of guys do it. You know, they lose and they switch off whole new camp they lose this i see a lot of people do it um in mma like boxing is a little bit more i think uh it takes a while for them to do it. i've seen guys go from one camp to the next to the next to the next you know they win two or three the best get the best coaching staff they lose one well you know they suck they switch and uh i mean i don't know i'm loyal to a fault sometimes but i feel like i have a good mix with uh you know team oyama uh one jiu-jitsu Corey Beasley. And then, you know, I've been doing a little cross training. Uh, I wasn't able to get, I'm not able to get out there this camp, but, uh, you know, I've been doing a little cross training with factory X with Montoya and the boys out there. So, uh, I think I got a good mix. Yeah, I would agree with that. Like not seeing you with Oyama would just be, I don't know. Like I, I see people leaving and jumping around, but you, you're just like, you're just in there. Like I, I when I think of that team, I, I think of you. So it would be a little crazy in my mind. Just see it like bouncing around and cross training that that's, I, I get that. But seeing you like not being part of Oyama as like your main training place, it would just be weird, man. Yeah, man. Uh, Oyama's my home. Uh, like I said, like I love training with Coach Mark, Montoya, and all those guys. So it's always a good mix. You know, it's good for me too, just mentally. Um, you know, get a break uh, when I'm home. Like you know, obviously fighting is my main job, but I also teach classes. I do private lessons. I help a lot of the. I try to help a lot of the fight team, whether it's cornering. Uh, or private lessons with them, just individual work with certain guys when they have fights. And then when I go to Factory X, I get a bit be selfish, you know, and just kind of think about myself, 
get a whole new environment. You know, I'm not like a guy people ask for advice. They kind of just look at me like, oh, you're just another body, which is cool. I like it. I, I like to be that normal guy where I'm asking questions. I'm asking for the help. Um, you know, and it's a good mix. You know, they have a great group of guys out there. I think I fit in perfect with those guys. Bunch of goofballs, you know, and I, I feel like we all get along. Yeah, there are definitely a lot of goofballs out there and you get to train with Royval and, you know, Hernandez and all the, yeah, goofballs uh, is, is a perfect way to describe the, you know, sort of the mentality around that team. Were you, I'm curious. Were, yeah, were you, they're, they're goofy, they're goofy. Sorry, they're goofy, but man, they're, they're hardworking, hard grinding guys. It's like, it, it's, it's different when you see them. Uh, yeah. So I, I lost you right when you said, uh, yeah, they're a bunch of goofballs, but, and then I lost you. Uh, yeah, they're, they're a bunch of goofballs, man, but like, you know, I practice and goof around, but they freaking work hard, man. And when you see them get in the cage, they're like totally, two totally different people. Like my favorite guy, one of my favorite guys is Vince Pichel. He just moved out there. But that guy's the biggest goof of them all, man. He's, he's just crazy. And then when you see him in the cage, like, oh, this is the same guy? That You know, this, this is the same guy? So it, it's always, like I said, there, there are a bunch of good guys out there, man. Were you surprised... <laughs> to see what Brandon Moreno has been able to do, like come back a month later after beating Roy Val to fight Figueredo to a draw. Like I know there was a point taken away and had that point not getting taken away. We might be having a different conversation right now, but then he stops Figueredo in the rematch back in June. Like, do, do, were you surprised to, to see Moreno just, just step up like that? I mean, he's a dog, but uh, to go out there and take Figueredo to the limit and then, and then finish him like that. Were you surprised? Uh, I mean, Nah, like I, I thought, I thought the fight would play out kind of a little bit like the last one. I thought Figueroa would gonna come in, come in hot the first three, and then cool down the last two. So I, I kind of was telling my manager Jason, I was like, I feel like we got to win one of the first rounds, whether it's the second or third, and then I think we'll take you'll take the fourth and fifth for sure because he gasses out. You know, that that's it, like saying like. Um, hundred percent Davidson came in or like, you know what I mean? No excuses. I mean, I don't know what happened. He's making an excuse or saying that he didn't feel good. Uh, I didn't feel good either. Like give me a rematch, you know, uh, uh, you know, but like, I felt like if everything was hundred percent, both guys were both hundred. I thought that was the way it was going to go. Like Moreno would, um, have to win one of the first three rounds, you know, and then come in and then he came out and blew him out of the waters. Um, which was surprising just because, you know, like what I, for me, once you step in the cage, there's no excuse of I didn't feel good or I'm hurt. I'm this. Once you step in that cage, there is because you have ways out of the fight. You know what I mean? Before you have injuries, you have, you know, if you don't want to fight, you can just be like, hey, I, I'm not, you know, you can say I'm hurt. I'm this, I'm that. Once you step in the cage, for me, it doesn't matter what you went through all camp, whether it's a good, bad, you know, you broke your hand, whatever it is. Once you step in that cage, you're, you're basically saying you're 100% fine. And, uh, you know, and I, I was surprised that kind of he blew him out that early. I thought maybe it was going to be in the later rounds, but you know, good for Moreno. I'm more happy for uh, my management. You know, Jason House and Iridium finally get their first champion. And be, I've been with them since I was 18 years old. You know, I'm 29 now. To see where he's come from, from a management perspective, as a professional perspective, but also in his personal life, it's just man, it's just, it's just amazing to see. You know, kind of kind of like a fairy tale, you know, and he still got a long way to go. So it just, he just, he just not even reached his potential yet as a manager. 
self, I mean, and I know you're not like watching fights, like rooting for guys to win and unless they're your own fighters, but was there a part of you that was like, this is very good for me that Brandon Moreno just won the title. It kind of knocks Figueredo out of the picture and opens the door a little bit more for you. Like, did you see it that way? Uh, nah, I was just more happy for Jason. You know what I mean? That's all. I mean, I was texting him all week, even when he was fought Davidson, uh, the first time I was texting Jason cause he was in the corner. I was texting him in between rounds. Like, Hey man, like, Hey, like town to put the numbers on him. Like, but this guy's gassing bad. Like you can see the way he's walking to the corner. Like I would like, you know, I'll, I'll text Jason. If I see him in the corner, especially if someone I know, or even anybody he's cornering, honestly, like, Hey, she, he or she needs to do this. Hey, like do this, like this is what I see on TV. You know, I don't know if you can tell the coach or like, or if we know the coaches, you're like, Hey, this is what we see, you know, kind of thing. And, um, you know, I just tell my opinion, but to me, I, I was just more happy for Jason. Honestly, uh, I can care less who wins the title. Eventually I'm going to get back there. So, uh, doesn't matter who has it. After the first fight with Schnell fell out, how did, how did you react to getting Asker Askarov? Cause a lot of folks felt like he was next in line for the title to get the winner of the fight between Figueredo and Moreno. We find it a few days after that fight that it's going to be you and Askarov. Were, were you surprised to see that name pop up? Um, I mean, yeah, no. I mean, for me, I was just like, because so before they fought, it was already in talks. Like people think like, oh, uh, you know, it just happened after. Um, no, I wasn't. It was in talks before that fight. And uh, I said, yeah, we're just waiting for the contract and everything. Uh, to me, I don't say no to fights. Uh, so you can offer me wherever I'm going to say, yeah, I'm here to fight. Um, a lot of people don't know, but. I mean, every time I come corner, I get close to make. I get close to making one thirty fives. What like the week I can make one. Like right now, I can make one thirty fives. So if any of the twenty five pounders fall out, and and, I'm, and they're they want to accept the fight at thirty fives with me, then I'm always ready to step in. You know. So um, in that sense, I was just like, I, I was just like, I like last week. I was getting like a couple weeks ago. I was here with Carla, and I was trying to fight a guy. You know, uh, Dave. Dovac or whatever his name is, Dubai. I offered to step in. Yeah, so I'm always in in shape to get in, you know, always bring my mouthpiece and cup, always in shape to jump in. So when I got asked, when they asked me to ask, I was like, cool. And then when I found out if the fight's off, I was like, man. So I was kind of, I'm always in ready and limbo to fight wherever it is. You know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm going to say, yeah, to fight. I get paid to fight. You know what I mean? This is my main job. Obviously, I got my other stuff I do on the side, but this is my main job. I, I say yes to fights. How close was that fight? How, how close was the UFC to pulling the trigger on that? To the on, on the Dvorak idea, uh, yeah. Uh, he didn't. Um, he didn't want to take the fight. Uh, I told him, I was like, I was like, I can make thirty five for sure. I was like, can you make one thirty? I was like, man, honestly, it's gonna be hard, but I'm down. This is the day before, you know, we found out the opponent pulled out, and I was like, this. If you guys told me at the beginning of the week, I would have been on weight. And good thing my nutritionist, our uh, perfecting athletes, was out here with Tofimo, so they they were literally down the street from from the hotel. So they're like, yeah, if you want to make the weight, like if they let us in, we'll we'll get there. We'll get you make weight. You know, we'll do all our all our all our magic. You know, and I'm like, I'm down. I te- I text the matchmaker, text Jason and Jeremy in a group message. Like, I'm down. I started cutting the weight, you know, started getting down, got in the tub and everything. And they're like, oh, no, he's going to fight some other guy. And I'm like, all right, you know, I mean, just let me know. I'm here. I'm, I'm here to fight. You know, I'm here to make money. I'm trying to buy a house, trying to do things. So uh, sitting on the couch, ain't going to do it. What a G move, man. Impressive. What do we like to say? I, 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 I always get I always get yelled at because I I, <laughs> I always I slide into Mick Maynard. Mick, Mick Maynard's DMs, like, 
hey man, like if any of the guys can't make weight, let me know. I, I'm I'm only four hours away. That's a that's a you know that's that, that's a quick nap. And, and I, I mean I mean I'm in town. Uh, I can make 35s for sure. You know I can't make 25s, but I can make 35s. Uh, hands down, and he always he always just laughs like, "All right, man, I'll keep that in mind." Ah, uh, man, Amanda Nunes tests positive for COVID. The fight with Juliana Pena is getting pushed back. Just happened like seconds ago. Wild, man. She's yeah. I just got I just got my notification. I, I get I, I'm cleared. I got tested negative, so I'm like, "Oh, thank God." There you go. So. Uh, did, when you found out that Askarov was was injured and out of the fight, was it was it kind of a tough pill to? I mean, listen, you don't care. You'll you sh- you'll show up at the Apex for fight week and be ready to fight anybody. So at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. You see opportunity, you just jump through the door. But were you kind of bummed that Askarov was was hurt and out of that fight? I mean, you can't control it, but at the same time, that that's that was a big opportunity to to get right back in there. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. I uh, I was I was disappointed, but. Like that shit happens, man. It's not like he, it's not like he's just like, oh, I don't want to fight this guy. Like he got injured, he had to have surgery. Cool, man. Like I had to pull out fights because I was injured. You know, it's just part of the game. There's nothing I can do about it. I was upset. Went to go eat some Korean Korean barbecue, and then got back to work. You know, because they they had told me like, oh, like I was trying to get a fight for this weekend. Matt I couldn't make the way or didn't want to do it. You know, I've been I would have been happy to do that 35s. Um, I don't know what happened. Pushed it back. Um, now we really could take the fight on short on short notice, and I was like, "All right, man, like I just want to fight, you know." So that's why I've been bugging the matchmakers ever since. Like, hey, does does you know I can slide in? I don't mind fighting twice in the same month. I've done it before, you know. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, it is what it is. I get paid the same whether it's Askroff or uh, Match now. So uh, I'm just I'm here to get the win, make a statement, put my name in line for that title, and then uh, go from there. Does Mick like when you when you slide into the DMs like that, or does he get annoyed after a while? Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's always good to let him know that you're you know you're available. Because uh, you see, guy, they, you know, like I said, Amanda News just tests positive. You know, you see people um, test positive all the time, and that uh, sucks for them. But it's also an opportunity for other people to make money. So like people are like, oh, this this has been a long training camp for you, blah blah blah. I got extended. It's like, well, not really because. I train year round. So it's not really like, I really never in training camp. It's more fight specific. And then basically the weight, you know, basically that's, I mean, shape your rounds and fight year round. Cause especially now this is the age of uh, opportunity with COVID happening. Uh, and I've seen people make runs at it. You know what I mean? Like, man, I've seen people fight three or four times in the same, in the same year. And which is great. They're making money, winning fights and, you know, keeping active because of opportunities like that. And uh, like I said, like, I don't think he, get, I don't think he gets upset at all. I think he kind of just like laughs, laughs at all. He's like, all right, man, I'll keep you in mind. So I, it's a, it's opportunity, man. Opportunities there. You got to take it. Look at Kevin Holland last year, man, five guy that goes five and oh, and you, know, you know, got a big opportunity and, you know, did the, this year hasn't started off tremendous for him, but he made, I mean, he made the most of 2020 in, in a, in a pretty horrible year. So I get definitely see where you're coming from. Do you feel, I mean, listen, who you fight doesn't matter. You're, you're there to fight, but do, do you feel like you can, how should I put this? Have a bit more fun in there with Matt Schnell? Because I mean, Askarov's solid everywhere. His wrestling's outstanding with Schnell. Yeah, he's very good. You need to worry about different things, but I mean, he has this reputation of being a very exciting guy. Like, like you know what I mean? Like, do you feel like you can have more fun with Matt? It's a, it's, it's a little more entertaining, if you will. 
Um, honestly, at this level, I think it's all, I keep them all the same, man. I, I like, yeah, Matt Schnell's going off a loss, but I still find them. Like, whoever's in front of me is the most dangerous guy in the division. Um, you know what I mean? Because I'm guessing people, you know, people eye me as one of the best guys in the division. Um, like, you know, I, what I look at myself and what other people look at me are two different things. You know, I've seen people talk, I'm like, man, what, like, who the hell are they talking about? You know, or what, you know, I, I don't see that. But, you know, so I feel like I bring, I elevate their game because they're like, oh, I'm fighting, you know, so-and-so. So when, when I have like a match now in front of me, he's the best guy in the division. The reason why is because he is in front of me. Doesn't matter about anybody else, the champ, the number 30th ranked guy, whatever it is. It's Mastinal is number one in my books. He's he's a spot in front of me. Even though he's ranked below me, he's the guy, next guy, and he's better than me. And that, you know, that's my mindset for everything. Uh, I go out there to, you know, put on a show, whether it's finished, decision, whatever it is, I'm going out there to get a win. But like I said, I'm try, I always try to go out there and make a statement uh, every fight. It is a pleasure to speak with you, Alex, because it doesn't happen that often. Like I know you don't do a ton of interviews, but the last we haven't spoken since some big changes have happened in your life. You got a new baby, new baby in the house. Congratulations to you uh, for that. How has, how has fatherhood been and how has having a baby in the house been over these last few months? Uh, it's good, man. Uh, probably the best part of my day is being able to hang out with him, you know, uh, props to his mom. Uh, she takes him at night, you know, so I can sleep. Obviously she's stepping up 110%, you know, has a baby like 99% of the time, you know? So when I get up, I go run, come back, walk my dogs, and I grab the baby from her before I go to train, you know, eat, do all my stuff. I do hang out with him and then she takes him for the day. And then I kind of just, uh, you know, when I come home, I get to see him, hang out with him for a little bit. So um, it's, been, it's been a blessing, man. Uh, even though when I'm tired, I come home and he's just jumping up and down, like, you know, but at the, at the end of practice, you're like, yeah, I'm ready for bed. And you come home, you see that, it's kind of like, okay. You know, it's cool, you know, uh, definitely learning experience. Uh, I come from a big family. I'm the second oldest of nine, you know, so I get it. I got a little bit of experience, you know, it's a different when it's not your kid. Cause it, before he can, you know, he starts crying like, Oh, here you go. <laughs> now he's crying. It's like, uh, you know, where am I supposed to go? But it's fun, but definitely, uh, definitely, a, uh, interesting, uh, interesting, you know, new dynamic to this, uh, fight game. Uh, I do, it puts more respect on people that have kids and train and everything. Cause it's a tough job, especially like obviously the sleeping, the eating, you got to try to make time for the family. You got to make time for training. You got to make time for every little thing and uh, more, more props, more respect to everybody that has kids in this game, whether you're in the UFC or, you know, starting out, it's definitely tough. It's, you know, I can't imagine how tough it is if, you know, if I would have had my son, you know, before I got into UFC where you have to work a full-time job 99% of the time and train, you know, two to 3% of the time and then still have a kid, you know, that I can only imagine that it's hard right now where this is mainly my job. And it's like, man, it's, it's a handful, but blessed to have the opportunity to do it. You've never really needed to find motivation or your why to fight, but I mean, parenthood, I have an eight year old It changes all of us. And most of the time for the better gives us more of a, of a wider lens, like more tunnel vision in this crazy thing called life. Like, have you experienced that yourself already? Like, do you just feel different inside because, you know, you see the baby, you see the, what was he five months now, five or six months? Yeah. going to be six months, man. Six months, 21 pounds. Got two teeth. The man, he's, he's growing <laughs> up quick. Yeah, he's if, a big he's a big boy good for him man How, have you like kind of experienced that like that you know extra uh, bit of a boost uh yeah man there's there's times where i'm like laying in bed you know my my alarm i wake up 
usually before my alarm, but there's times where like my alarm will go off. I'm laying in bed. Like, do I really want to go run? I kind of look over because, uh, you know, I kind of look over and see his stuff there. I'm like, ah, man, I got to do this. You know, uh, I'm not just for, it's not just for me anymore. It's, you know, um, it's to make a better life for him. Uh, you know, obviously I can't fight forever. So I got to make my, make as much money as I can between these next, you know, I'll be 30 in March. So by the time, you know, 30, hopefully I can fight until I'm 50, you know what I mean? But realistically 35, you know, maybe a little older, just depending on how the body holds up. So I am right now it's the time to go, 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 go and make as much money as possible for me, him, and, you know, obviously our future. Did you get a new dog too? Uh, yeah, I got, so I got two, I got two English bulldogs. Oh, I saw uh, the pictures, six man. Years That's old awesome. And one's about, and, and, and one's, so one's six years old and the other one's about eight months, uh, seven, eight months. So it's definitely interesting. <laughs> Find out the best idea. <laughs> <laughs> so you have a baby and a puppy in the house at the same time? Yeah, it's probably wasn't the smartest idea. You know, you should never let me make decisions like that when I'm dieting. You know, it's probably one of those things. I was like dieting. I was looking at, I love English Bulldogs. And I seen it. I was like, oh. And then I I told, I told, uh, I told Christina, I was like, uh, yeah, I was like, what do you think about getting a dog? She said, we're about to have a kid, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, huh, well, just, you know, uh, okay. And then a couple months later, she's like, what's this? I was like, Oh yeah, I forgot to tell you. I bought a dog. She's like, "What? Should we just have a baby and blah blah?" Like, yeah, I wasn't thinking. I'm, I apologize. I mean, hey, what are we gonna do? Send him back? You know, he's already here. So uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, it's definitely definitely interesting. You got a good woman, man. She just uh-huh. she just accepts it, and you know all, everything she's doing with the kid right now. I mean, you you got pretty lucky, especially being a fighter. Like, not a lot of women out there understand the life of a fighter. You know. Yeah, I mean, uh, we're together since my, I believe my second pro, well, we met my second pro fight, you know, so that was back in 2011. So, you know, she, uh, thankfully she, you know, she understands the game, understands like the dieting part, you know, obviously my, I have my nutritionist, but she does most of my cooking. She, she can contact with my nutritionist, you know, and they contact back and forth. So uh, she's a very big help for me and fighting and just in everyday life, especially in fight camp, you know, um, and I, one less thing I have to worry about making food and, you know, be, having to watch the baby full time and stuff like that. So very lucky to have her, uh, help me out for sure. So how do we get this thing done on August 28th, Alex? How does this thing play out with Matt Schnell and, uh, finally get to get you back in there this year after all the, the shuffles of the deck. Uh, man, I'm going out there to make a statement, man. I know we got a new champion division. Uh, I think it's wide open. Uh, I know Asgar is num- ranked number two, I believe, but uh, he's hurt. He's sidelined for five, six months. Um, uh, I, honestly, I'm going out there to make a statement. I'm going out there for the finish. I'm always looking for the finish. I'm always looking to push the pace, break people. Um, if I don't get the finish, I'm looking to dominate from beginning to end. Uh, like I said, I'm my biggest critic, and uh, – you're only as good as your last fight, and my last fight wasn't that good, so I'm here to prove everybody wrong, prove everybody that, uh, you know, I'm the real deal. I, I made a simple mistake, uh, brain farted, split second, and, you know, cost me, but show everybody that I've, I've gotten better from that and uh, make a statement, finish finish this fight, make a statement, move on to the next, whether it's a title shot or anybody else in the, vis- in the division. Um, 
I'm here to fight. I'm here to make money. I'm here to, you know, make, make my legacy. So I'm just here to make a statement, man. This next fight, I'm going out there hundred percent, make this statement. Maybe you can get some of that Carla, Carla Esparza juju going, man. That performance was sick, man. That was unreal. Like she did exactly what she needed to do. And I mean, she should be fighting for the belt next. Like there should be no discussion. Dana White should already come out on a live microphone and said, Carla Esparza is fighting Rose Namajunas next. There's a story there after that performance. How can you deny her, man? Yeah, man. uh, The biggest thing I've learned about this game is it's not always fair, you know, um, you know, um, you can do everything right and not get the result you want. And, um, you know, Carlos did everything right. She won five in a row. Stop, you know, this big name, uh, you know, opponent, her last fight dominated her. I think it was a 10 eight round. The first round, second round was going to be a 10 eight round and she wasn't getting stopped. Um, there was nothing, you know, she's done everything right. It's all just a matter of, uh, you know, someone saying, Hey, you're going to title shot or not. It's all about numbers, all about money. Uh, so it's not always fair. So I'm hoping she gets what she deserves, but if not, I know she'll be ready uh, to take the next person down, make it six in a row and get that title shot. If she, if, if that's what needs to happen, but I believe she should get the title shot next. Last thing I, I, I am curious. Cause we, we, we sort of brushed on this before. How would you, how would you describe your relationship with the media these days? Like, like I, like we said earlier, like you don't do a lot of interviews anymore. You used to do a bunch, you don't do much anymore. So I was happy to get the heads up for this one because we hadn't talked in a while, but I mean, how would you describe your relationship? I mean, with us, the media right now. Um, with media, I, I don't got a problem with the media. I mean, the only person I really fucking can't stand is Brown Komodo. You know what I mean? Um, after they made, after he made that tweet, I, I just feel like, after he made that tweet about, oh, who could be Davidson after I just beat just her, have Brandon have beat just her. Basically, I just feel like he had put down all my hard work that I did my whole entire life to get to the point of the brink of a title shot. Whether I won the fight or not with Davidson, it's a different story. But, you know, for him to say, like, who, oh, who can beat this guy? I don't think anybody can beat him. I think Cody, you know, for me, I felt like it was a slap in my face, like trying to tell someone, like, you know, someone could do your job better. Uh, so I didn't like that. That's probably the only person I do not like it. And uh, I don't know, personally, just work-wise, probably the person I, I don't really like. But media, I mean, I, I don't mind it right right now. You know, I got kind of I got kind of uh, yelled at. But it was more because, you know, Christina takes care of the baby at night. So I got to take care of the baby in the morning. And for me, media is like kind of like whatever. I, I, you know, I don't post too much on Instagram, mostly about my son or anything. And uh I just like that. I, I I don't spend as much time I can with my kids, you know, especially during this busy time. I can't already get don't get to spend too much time with them. Even when I'm not in fight camp, I'm at the gym 99% of the time. So I was just like, it's one of those things like, man, like give up time with my kids, you know, but I'm in, I told them, hey, I'm going to be in Vegas this week. I can do some interviews. Uh, I'm away from my son. Uh, so I can do interviews now, but if I'm home. I literally put my phone down and I'm, I'm hanging out with my kid all day. And uh, no, I like I said, nothing against the media. I just, Rather hang out with my son than uh, you know talk talk to everybody. It's just one of those things. I'm a very private person. I rather hang out with my kid and family and friends. And no offense, talk to you guys. <laughs> oh no, I no. Listen, I totally understand where you're coming from. So yeah, I was just curious. Like it was just it's just nice. You know, you're on the road. We could do some interviews. It, it, it works out. So, but I'm glad we were able to do this. I'm excited to see you back in there in around four weeks or so against Match Now. Big one at 125. Appreciate the time, my man. Great catching up. Congrats on the new additions to the family and uh, and best of luck in the fight on August 28th. 
thanks, man. I appreciate you having me on, man. I, I, I really do enjoy talking to you. There's a couple people I super enjoy talking to, and you're one of them. Uh, you know, you always keep it nice, and you know, you're 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 a good time to talk to. So I appreciate you having me on, man. There he is, Alex Perez, the Wiley veteran. Just, just a good dude. Good dude has just a professional attitude when it comes to MMA from a coaching perspective, from a fighter perspective, the guy just gets it very respectful and humble guy. And always appreciate getting Alex Perez on the show. Cause it's not easy to do. He doesn't do a ton of media, a ton of interviews. He's and and I understand why, which is, which is good for him. So get ready to wrap up the show this week. Appreciate you guys checking us out. Don't forget what is it? It's going to be Tuesday when this drops. I know it's Monday. So 13 days from right now is the return of the MMA hour to MMAfighting.com. Ariel Hawani is back in your lives right here on MMA Fighting. It's going to kick off August 16th, 13 days from right now. And then August 18th, two days after that, a second show. Mondays and Wednesdays, the return of the Mixed Martial Arts Hour right here on MMAfighting.com. A lot of people have still been asking me, what does that mean for the future of this show? I don't know yet. We're working on that. Uh, but from what we've been discussing, some of the ideas that we've come up with, I'm pretty excited about it. I'll just leave it at that. More info on that coming soon. Of course, UFC 265 coming up this week. Our own E. Casey Lydon will be in Houston, his home away from home, covering the event. So he'll be out there bringing you the media day on Wednesday. We've got a press conference on Thursday, weigh-ins on Friday, and of course, the fights on Saturday. And... It's going to be a good week. Cyril Gaon versus Derek Lewis for the interim heavyweight title. The co-main event is just bananas. Jose Aldo versus Pedro Munoz. Very much looking forward to that. The whole card is, is, is pretty darn good. I know it's not, it's not UFC 264. We don't have Nate Diaz and Connor and some of the biggest stars on the sport on this card. But top to bottom, if you're just looking at like really quality matchups, it's a damn good card. And it should be good. It should be one of those ones you just say like, eh, if I'm on the fence take the risk it's kind of got ufc 199 vibes to it if you know what i mean so we'll see what happens there we're getting ready to get on out of here thank you once again i know i already said that but that's it big thank you to casey on the production he'll be out in houston like i just said big thank you to alex and jose for the social clips all the fun and the graphics that they do for the show means a lot and till next week when we're back at it again have a heck of a week everybody we'll leave you with my chats with somebody competing at UFC 265 on Saturday, Casey Kenny. All right, let us welcome back to the program Casey Kenny, who joins us a few days away from his return to action. He's going to face Song Yudong to kick off the main card this Saturday at UFC 265 in Houston, Texas. Casey, good to see you, man. How are you? Uh, good to see you as well. I'm doing great. You know, it's fight week, uh, one of the best weeks of camp. And, uh, man, just getting things ready and head out in the morning. There you go. Uh, hopping on a plane tomorrow, heading out to the Lone Star State. How excited are you to to get out to Houston, get back in that octagon, and be prepared to fight in front of fans again? Uh, I'm excited, man. You know, I've had a couple uh, experiences with the fans as a fan myself, you know, here in the last few months. And uh, it made me even more excited to be a part of, you know, a roaring crowd. And uh, finally on the main card now. So I feel like last time we had fans, I was kicking off, like, the early prelims. So, uh <laughs> Didn't really have many fans in house then anyway, so it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be exciting to have a whole you know crowd full of people. Were you at two sixty three? I was, I was. What yeah, was that, that like, was, man? That was my first like 
oh shit, I forgot how awesome it is to have a you know a whole arena full of people. Um, you know, the last I think it's been the last four fights uh, I fought with no crowd, and you know it's cool. It's it's got its own perks and own little thing, but you know we're gladiators, man. We like to have a whole arena full of people. Just to see, I mean, there, there's there's lots of special moments that happen in the sport, and I think oftentimes the crowd becomes a big part of that. But seeing Brandon Moreno win a world title like that, and seeing the reaction he got, how he took it all in, and just like, yeah. I mean, it's just such a cool moment to to be there and be in that arena and see that live. Like, what was that like to see? Uh, I mean, I was the one one of the guys chanting, you know, "Oh, Brandon Moreno." <laughs> <laughs> So I, I was right there, man. You know, uh, I got to witness the whole thing. I was jumping up and down for him. So uh, it, it was amazing. It was, a, it was a great experience. And then obviously, you know, Nate Diaz walking out, you know, getting to see that live and feel the energy of that, you know, um, it's one of a kind. Yeah. Adesanya, that was a cool walk out. I mean, it was a good yeah, night. all but... of them, man. All of them. It's been an interesting year for you because the last time we saw you compete, it was against Dominic Cruz and you had a very entertaining fight with the guy that many feel is the greatest bantamweight of all time. And unfortunately you were on the wrong end of a split decision, but I think you had a good account of yourself for sure. I think a lot of people agree with me on that. And just, you know, even though you didn't get your hand raised, I know it sucks to lose, but were you able to, to take positives out of that fight with Dominic after sharing 15 minutes with him? Yeah, always man. Uh, no matter what happens in there, always some positive stuff that you can take from it. You know, like you said, I lost the I lost the uh, you know the the fight on the the judges scorecard, but there's a lot of good things that happened in there. You know, um, got to bust up you know one of the greatest of all times, and uh, you know got to share the octagon with him. So uh, always improving, always trying to get better. You know, take the good things and kind of you know bounce back. Did you agree with the decision? Like, did you go back and watch it? I mean, I thought I got two rounds. Obviously, I'm a biased person but you know i thought round three was obviously him you know the only round he got to take down um round two i busted him up pretty good and i stuffed all his takedowns so i felt like i had that one so now you got round one and you know besides slipping a couple times he only hit me a couple times in that round and uh i also stuffed all his takedowns so you know, uh, not to dwell on it too much, but yeah, I thought I got two rounds there. Hearing you say that, I'm, I'm curious your thoughts on this. Is there such thing as a moral victory in MMA? Like, is there such thing as that? Like taking a former divisional king to the limit, you feel like you came out of that with a win that you won two rounds. Like, is, is there a moral victory here? Like, do you, do you, do you step into this fight in Houston feeling like you just beat Dominic Cruz? Like, is that confidence there? Um, you know, when, when the judge's decision came, I wasn't uh, super thrilled with my performance. You know, I thought I could have done more. I could have done better. So whether I lost or won in that aspect, you know, I, uh, you know, fought my ass off, but I felt like I could have done better in the fight. You know, I wanted to put Dominic Cruz away and I felt like I could have done that and just, you know, didn't really get the chance to do it in the fight. So um, no matter what the judge's scorecard came or, you know, what the, the judges decided on, on that fight, you know, I knew I needed to get back to work and improve, but you know, that's, that's the game. And, uh, you know, win or lose in that dominant cruise fight, I'm coming to take your head off in the next one. There you go. It certainly didn't take much away in terms of how the UFC views you moving forward because they're giving you this fight with Song Yidong, a perennial top 15 guy, and he's, they're throwing you guys on this main card of a, of, a, of a big pay-per-view. Like, what was your reaction to getting the matchup and then being on a pay-per-view yet again? I think this is your third in a row, is it not? 
yeah, uh, you know, this time I actually get to be on the pay-per-view portion, but if you've ever watched me fight and you ever watched a uh, song fight, uh, what a, what a better pay-per-view opener, you know, as a fight fan, um, uh, no words need to be said there. <laughs> <laughs> Did you like the matchmaking? Like it, at first I was like, Ooh, this is good. But then you kind of dig it. You dig a little deeper. And I thought like, I don't know if strange is the right word, but he just fought Kyler Phillips. And I know you've trained with Kyler a thousand times at this point. And then they throw you in with, with throw him in there with you. Did, did, were you surprised to see the matchup or were you like, were you not surprised by it? Uh, I actually, I called it right after the Dominic fight. I was like, uh, I bet they're going to pair me with song one. We just, we both took, you know, close, uh, I guess he won one way around there, you know, decision losses that night. And, uh, I had already been paired to fight song back in December, you know, the contracts were written and all that stuff. And it was kind of short notice and he ended up backing out. Um, never fought in December. That's where the Dominic fight came about. But before the Dominic fight, my next fight was supposed to be song. Um, so I figured we they were going to, you know, pair us back up and try it again. So here we are. I know every fight's different. Every fighter approaches every fight differently. But did you take a lot from Kyler's performance that you could kind of implement for yourself on Saturday? Yeah, for sure. I think in his last three fights, you know, guys have been able to take him down, control him a little bit. And, you know, that's how they, you know, uh, won some rounds, won the fight uh, on song. And think that's just you know you look at my two losses uh in the ufc you know those are the two fights that uh, i was head hunting with my fists you know i didn't mix it up uh like i wanted to and uh you know i think it's going to be you know back to the drawing board i think it's going to be another one where i went and adjusted some things and you know we're going to have to come out victorious did was your training camp similar to to the normal ones like kind of cross training at different gyms doing some different things like how did it all work out was it the same as normal yeah, same as normal, uh, you know, the MMA lab and Rise Combat Sports, um, bouncing back and forth between the two. And, uh, you know, when I prepare for a fight, I like to sharpen, you know, everything I have. Obviously, I pay attention to a few things that my opponent does well, see how they move. But, uh, you know, you can throw me anyone with anyone, you know, on fight night. And uh, I'm confident because, you know, I prepared, you know, everything that I have. And that's pretty much how I, you know, approach every fight camp. Um make sure I'm ready to go in every aspect of MMA and, you know, see what happens. I felt like Kyler beating Song Yudong, that was like a breakout performance for him. Like it put him in the rankings. People got to see how good he was and because they know how good Song is and he got some right. buzz off of that. Do you feel like you could, you could get that same rub, so to speak, that beating a guy like Song kind of tips the proverbial cup over in your favor, if you will? Yeah, I mean, I just fought Dominic Cruz and I put on a hell of a 2020, so... Uh, who, you know, songs fought a handful of guys, but I feel like we're, you know, we're pretty even there on like the, the type of competition that we fought. And, if, and I think I may even have a stronger schedule. Um, guy like Kyler, I train with him all the time. I know exactly how good he is, you know, uh, and he got to show that against Song and, you know, even got to show a lot of great things in his last fight. But, um, you know, take some good things out of that. And like you said, every fight's different. Um, honestly, I envision this fight with the crowd the bell ringing and pointing down to the center, putting my hands in the air and seeing, you know, who steps back first. There you go. What, what did you think of the judging of that fight for Kyler? Like, how do you not give him a 10, a in that first? It's insane. It's absolutely right. insane. I, I, you know, I thought, uh, if, you know, the other guy won the last two rounds, 10, nine, then, you know, Tyler, Kyler definitely got a 10, eight in that first, but you know, he, uh, 
kind of he's kind of in the same mindset, you know. Uh, sucks to lose, but we, you know, put our heart out there and get get back to the drawing board and get better. Of course, of course, I'm sure when you saw that this fight car is taking place in Houston, I'm sure it clicked right away. Bonus structures getting a little bit of a boost. Seventy-five thousand. Yes. The last time they were there, we saw it with two sixty-four. Seventy-five thousand. I don't know if this is a regular thing for pay-per-views or just a Houston thing. I don't know, but that's you got to believe that seventy-five G's is a possibility for you, right? Do you feel like this is going to happen again? Yeah, I mean, if uh, no one says anything or I don't hear anything during the Dana meeting, I might have to raise my hand. I might have to raise my <laughs> hand and uh, you know grow some balls and ask uh, ask the man himself. So we'll see what happens, but. Um, you know, I feel like this fight's kind of like the Nathaniel Wood fight. You know, even though you're on a big pay-per-view, like I went into that card confident that if Nathaniel Wood goes away, I'm going to get a bonus. If he doesn't, it's probably going to be fight of the night. And uh, I see Song, you know, in the same uh, picture. You know, if I put Song Yudong away, uh, I'm probably getting a bonus. If if I don't, and we go to the, you know, go to the final bell. It's probably going to be a fight of the night type of fight. So uh, I like my chances on getting those bonuses. There you go. Well, I'm sure you would uh, prefer a performance of the night bonus. So how do we get this thing done? It's going to be a full house, main card opener. Everyone's going to be there getting ready for it. How, how do you set the table for the rest of this card? Uh, man, any of the rounds, I'm going to put them away. I'm coming. I'm coming full force. And uh, I think I'm going to catch him and maybe finish him with some ground and pound. Later on in, in the evening, in the festivities, there's another big Bantamweight fight, co-main event, Jose Aldo versus Pedro Munoz. Really good fight. Who do you like in that one? I assume you will uh, you will be having your eye on that fight. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, after the cruise fight, I wanted to call out Jose Aldo and kind of go on my legend tour. But, uh, man, I, I'm a huge fan of Aldo. Uh, a fan of Munoz as well, but I'd like to see uh, the legend Aldo get, uh, get another W there. You got to pick for the main event, Derek Lewis versus Cyril Gaon. Man, I'm going to go Derek Lewis by KO because that's what he does. <laughs> <laughs> that he does. And doing it in Houston, that's going to be a thunderous, uh, ruckus applause from the, yeah, from the man, Toyota. Yeah, I can't go against Derek Lewis on any picks until after the Houston card. You know, I'm trying to get those Houston fans on my side. <laughs> well said, well said. But Casey, I appreciate the time as always, especially so close to a big fight like this. Safe travels to Houston. All the best to you in the showdown to kick off the main card in the deepest division in the UFC. It'll be on display and uh, kicks off with this fight between yourself and Song Yudong. Thank you again, sir. All the best to you, and we'll see you on Saturday. Thanks, Mike. Always a pleasure. Sure, I'll talk to you soon. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it.